You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, the podcast that looks at Scottish rugby through the lens of a hard Paddington stare. I am not Al Kellogg, so apologies to anyone who stumbled upon us whilst looking for the official SRU podcast, which was launched this week. Um, but if you if you found us, uh, why not come in and stay a while? Who knows, you might enjoy this one more. Uh, I am Cammy Black, and this week I'm joined by editor of the Scottish Rugby blog, Rory Baldwin. Hello. And uh, tonight, Matthew, John Anderson will be Chris Patterson. <laughs> I absolutely wish. He's, he's a gorgeous <laughs> boy. <laughs> um, we'd love for you to get uh, involved with the podcast. We're live tonight for the first time on the Scottish Rugby Forum on Facebook uh, for the first half an hour of the podcast. Um, forum members um, are getting a wee treat before we started of me downing a drink because that's what rugby podcasts do when they go live. Uh, for the record, it was apple juice. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do through in the comments on the section of the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, email podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. We're on Twitter at Cami Black or at Scott Rugby Blog, Facebook and Instagram. Um, tonight, we are going to be looking ahead to the Six Nations and taking questions from the uh, forum members uh, live. And they'll be chipping in and telling us when we are wrong and pointing out all the flaws in our arguments live rather than um, afterwards, which always happens when we get save us getting letters. Um, <laughs> we'll also after we've uh, later on once once we've uh, we've gone off air, so to speak, we'll be looking back at the Ember and Glasgow uh, European games and doing hands in the ruck and all the normal bits. We're going to start with one of our regular sections, which is crap call offs. We haven't had these for a while. We've had three today, so this is where we ask people to write in with the reasons, uh, rubbish reasons, why people. Uh, have called off training or games. Uh, Liam Daly got in touch to say a boy in our under-18s team, now Liam's from Peebles, so I think it might be Peebles, uh, had to stay at home and look after his dog as his mum had book club. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say what book, though. Um, Ken Seaton said, I, or rather he, so I think this is Ken, said he couldn't get the gas fire lit, so he had to stay home and fix it as he didn't want his wife and new baby to be cold which sounds like a lovely thing to do, uh, but he said uh, he lives in a centrally heated flat. <laughs> and then the best one we've had uh, this week is James Leslie, who said he had to be- he had to uh, go on the bench instead of start because he was late due- having to deal with a dead body at work and he was waiting for an undertaker. Oft. All right, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's dark, man. That's, yeah. 
that took a turn. <laughs> I did, yeah. I did. I had to. I did. I did go back to him and say, "You do work in an area where that's, you know, something that would happen, rather than, you know, Tesco's or something." And he, he did confirm he, he works in an area where where that that is something that happens, rather than, you know, working in a B and Q and someone just dropping dead. So that was okay. It's very funny because I was going to say B and Q as well. I thought this is this is a very strange mind meld we've got going here. I I immediately thought of B and Q. Um, that's rather, rather than a care home or a hospital, you've yeah, got the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it probably sums up my experience in being Q uh, somewhat. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's fairly terrifying, actually. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're going to look ahead to Six Nations now. There was news out today uh, that Hamish Watson is out for the entire Six Nations, but turns out those rumours uh, are greatly exaggerated and it seems that he might still play some part in the latter games of the tournament and Gregor Townsend's also hoping to have Xander Ferguson, Fraser Brown, George Turner and a few others back during the tournament as well. Um, so Scotland are opening um, Rory against Italy and that's I think, now I've, I, I, I did some research into this, I think this is the first time Scotland have ever played Italy at home in the opening weekend of the Six Nations. Um, I'm I'm not going to confirm or deny because my grasp of history is ten years sometimes. But yeah, it's um it's been a while since we've had since we've had Italy early in the tournament. Anyway, it sort of seems to be the traditional um the traditional kind of finishing finishing fixture for us. I'm not I'm not sure why. I don't know. I mean, they seem to it seems to be worked out well in advance. What's going to be the tournament decider? It's actually um one of our posters is as put together a wee um, sort of statistical analysis of the he's he's kind of modelled the Six Nations um, which um, Gian Anderhey will probably probably quite like when that post goes up but oh, yeah. um, he was uh, he's been looking at the sort of probabilities of uh, of uh, the how the tournament's going to turn out and he, he modelled the, the 20 I think 2017 and 2018 tournaments and pretty much got the same results as what actually happened you know aside from a couple of couple of fixtures but um, and apparently we're, we're headed for fourth this year is the statistical prediction. Um, but we've got, uh, we've got, apparently we've got a 99% chance of beating Italy in the first game, which to me seems like an awfully big 1%. That is, yeah. what we know about Scotland. And Scotland in the opening weekend as well. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we've said before on the podcast, John, um, that traditionally, I think, or certainly something my dad's always said, is that the, the year Scotland did well is when they had... England and France at home because traditionally the the games against Ireland and Wales were the easier games during the old yeah. Five Nations. It I I think that that's definitely changed, hasn't it? I mean, Scotland having three go, game three home games is is definitely now the, the years that we do better. Yeah, no, absolutely. You look at you look at the um, the record we've got in Murrayfield now. Um, I, I was talking about this yesterday. That, you know, we've lost to New Zealand and South Africa at Murrayfield. In, in the last two years or thereabouts, so we we don't fear anyone at home. And as as you rightly say, you know, the, the, particularly with Ireland, the swing in performance from Ireland, they've went from being, you know, that team that you could guarantee you would be beating home and away to, you know, one of the best sides in the world. So there's, um, yeah, I think definitely the fixture schedule. This this way round favours us, you know, because I, I think we would fancy our chances against Ireland and Wales at home, um, whereas away not necessarily as much. But again, it all comes down to that big one right at the end. 
Yeah. I think, yeah, if it favours us as long, the, the fixture list favours us as long as we win the first one. Yes, uh, yes, um, <laughs> yes. You know, it, if, if, we, if we are capable of losing, losing at home to Italy, um, the, the team with the, the hopes that we, that we give it, then surely we're quite capable of losing all the other games as well. You know, going away to Paris and Twickenham where we haven't won in donkey's years. Um, Ireland and Wales probably the, the form teams in the tournament. So yeah, yeah it, it's it's a. Uh, I guess you're only as good as your last game or your first game, I suppose. And yeah, we we really need a good a good start. Um, it's one of the, it's a strange kind of fixture list. You can see it going swinging wildly in either direction. Yeah, I was speaking to a guy yesterday, and he was saying how again thinking about the Scotland Ireland fixture second up. And he was saying it, the first weekend, obviously the first weekend's crucial actually for in, in most in most of these tournaments. But this year in particular, because of the way the fixtures have landed, Ireland have, have got England first up. And, and his view was I mean, there's it's fairly conceivable that England could win that, assuming that uh, Eddie Jones doesn't, you know, come up with some absolute madcap idea of, you know, playing Jack Noel in the scrum and, and you know, <laughs> All, all classic Eddie nonsense, but but if Ireland were to lose that, particularly building towards the World Cup, uh, it's you know it's, it it would make Scotland beating them in week two all all that more likely. Um, he was suggesting, and again, if we put Italy away, we 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 we're at the point now uh, as Scottish fans, we should be expecting at home to be putting Italy away. There, there's no doubt about that, and I don't think that, that it's not disrespectful to Italy. They're not, they're not playing at the level we are at Murrayfield, so I think that's a fair suggestion. And you know, all of a sudden, if those first two weeks go our way, you're then you're going to France. There's, you know, you're starting to build. There's hope there. I, I, yeah, I, I think the momentum could really favour us this time out. Well, there you go, um, Martin on the. Commenting on the page, beat Italy and Ireland will play a Grand Slam decider at Twickenham. That's, that's, what, I yeah. that's what I said yesterday. I said yesterday. I think it was. Um, I just seen um, <laughs> someone else was suggesting. Who was it? I've even got. Oh, I can go back and can scroll back on these. Uh, Alan McDonald, um, who uh, has, has also suggested that Paris is the is the target for the elusive away win outside of Rome. And I mean, yep. if, and, and Ian's, Ian Hayes chipped in and said, "Well, if Fiji can do it, so that's got to be the one for the target." And like you said, I mean. You look at the the order of the fixtures, and it's it's a funny thing, momentum, because there's a lot of people don't really believe in it. I don't think it's momentum as such; it's more about confidence and mindset, isn't it? You get two home wins under the belt, and that's you know that's two out of your five fixtures out the way, and all of a sudden, and then you go into France and you'd fancy your chances. So you can kind of see how not momentum as such, but confidence and mindset builds, and that's. I think you know the, the Italy one needs to be seen as a formality, as with all again, with all due respect to Italy, and as well as the, those teams are going in the Pro 14, but that should be seen as a formality these days. And then you you you, you know you, you go through Ireland, and all of a sudden, if if and we'll come, someone's raised this as a as a point in, on Twitter already, if we get past Ireland, then all of a sudden, it's a very interesting tournament for Scotland. Um, let's have a look. Um, Ian Wallace pointed out expectation has to be a bonus point versus Italy. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, I that think. would be a good, good, uh, good check. Top the table the first weekend. It would depend. I mean, I guess it would depends what, what, whether Italy decide to come and play or whether they decide to go and do something daft. Do you know what I mean? Just to try and because yeah. this is this we we are you know we've got to be realistic. We are the team that Italy target every year. 
Yeah, on you go, Rory. Sorry, mate. I was just going to say. I mean, I know the um, the SRU won't be listening now because they've got their own podcast. But um, <laughs> I'm just. I don't want to put any. Don't want to put any pressure on the lads. But the Italy game will be the day of my 40th birthday. So, you know, a birthday present would be would be very kind. There you go. There you go. If, if you are listening, um, if you are listening, uh, lads, do it for Rory. Do it for Rory. That's a hashtag. We can get. <laughs> um, someone saying that we've just jinxed. We've just jinxed Scotland. Um, well, someone, um, let me have a look. Alistair McFadden on got in touch on on Twitter and said that it, this was his hands in the ruck. But I'm bringing it in now. He says it, his hands in the ruck was. So the Scotland camp being bullish about their Six Nation ambitions and building up the title Grand Slam's hopes again, despite the horrendous injury list every year. It's the same. Yeah, but what, what we would absolutely tear them apart if they came out and said, "Oh, you know what? Actually, uh, we we've got a big injury list, and you know the guys the, the guys that are in camp, you know, uh, they're not quite as good as the guys that are out injured. So, you know, we're targeting fourth, and we think that would be a good result in a World Cup year. We would like not just us as a fans group, but the media would absolutely slaughter Scotland if they done that. So, um. I, I see no reason. There's absolutely no reason we should be um, talking ourselves down. We could win this championship. There's, there's no. I, do, I don't feel like I'm. I'm quite superstitious with these things. I don't feel bad saying that. I think that's a reasonable target. Is it? I mean, there is a lot of injuries though, and Gregor Townsend was asked a lot of this at the the press conference today at the Six Nations launch. But I mean, he also said that Scotland have now got depth. I mean, is that? That the case. That's why maybe we should be confident then, Rory, that we've we've yep. got depth now. So so losing players to injury, even as many as Scotland have done, isn't as much of a worry as it used to be in years gone by. Um, yeah, I mean we've we've definitely got far better depth than we than we've had uh, in the past. But uh, I think the, the the slight worry is that our depth has been tested in a couple of kind of key positions. Um, I think if if we'd had, say one or one hooker injury as opposed to two, um, or if you know we'd we'd lost one of Barclay and Watson rather than both of them, as well as guys like um, you know Luke Hamilton, Magnus Bradbury, Blade Thompson, who we haven't seen yet, all being all being injured, um, I think uh, the depth would would look a lot better. I mean even. Um, to give you another preview of a post that's coming up, uh, our friend uh, Kevin Kevin Miller has written a preview looking at the sort of depth of Scotland based on you know the injuries and stuff. And yeah, there's a couple of positions where it's the cupboards you know the cupboard is looking a little thin. And yes, we've done we've done a lot to build up the level so that the replacements are at much higher levels that we've got. But in some positions, you know, we, we've gone through the replacements too, and we're we're relying on potentially academy guys like uh, like Grant Stewart or um, or guys who are inexperienced at this level like like Jake Kerr maybe for uh, for Leicester and um, there's you know there's a big question mark who's going to fill that back up hooker slot Ross um, Ford I think or right yeah well <laughs> if, they, if they put him in the squad but they, they haven't put him in the squad so um, yeah who, who's going to do that that I guess they're banking on one of George Turner or Fraser Brown if not both of them being back in by probably the France game or I, I would guess the week before the France game to to get them a you know a Pro 14 game under their belt or something, um, but it's yeah it's gonna it's gonna be tricky. I mean the back row is probably the the worrying area because the 
having having the announcement today that Watson's out, and I think uh, Townsend said at the launch that Barkley was definitely not expected back during the tournament at any point either. So they're they're obviously setting the expectations not not to have those players, even although we you know we have heard sneaky rumours that Watson might be might be doing better than we thought. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be tricky because you'd look then a guy like um, Jimmy Ritchie who's going to he's probably going to come in and he would he would deserve to be in on form. I mean, I'd probably have put him in the team regardless of any other injuries. But John Hardy's probably going to come back in at seven. But there's an argument to say that if everyone was fit, then Richie might have been playing seven and say Barkley at six. Or um, it's going to be the combinations aren't going to be quite as familiar um, yeah. because Hard, you know, Hardy's not going to have played with the with the younger guys as, as much who've come into the squad since 2015. Yeah, and I guess I mean in in a way it's it's lucky I suppose that it's Fran it's uh, not Fran Italy up first at home because it gives uh, Townsend an opportunity to maybe throw some of these younger guys in knowing that later on in the tournament there are going to be injuries and that he currently is dealing with injuries. So we were saying with Ian last week, you know, do you play a youthful team against Italy or do you go with experience and try to build, you know, build the momentum and get get things going? But I almost think you need, with that, given the, the amount of injuries and the lack of game time for some of those combinations, I think maybe he needs to almost treat it like a test match and that's no disrespect to Italy, but you need to try the combinations of Hardy, Ash, and Ritchie, because feasibly, if injuries don't improve or people go out again, then that that's a realistic back three combination. I think you can get away with that a wee bit more, based on you know within the back row in particular. I think that's probably the area where we we don't have those combinations. Um, and we could get—I think we could get away with that against Italy, and I think it would be a real, um, it would be a, a real sort of tick in the box for Jamie Ritchie if he was given the gig. I, th- I think he—I think he deserves it, uh, as as you guys have said. I think there's a lot of talent in that back row, but they haven't played together. Um, for me, it's it's crucial that what we're talking about our injuries, and I, we're still looking at our first choice back line from from nine to fifteen, give or take, being available. So. There's a bit of continuity there, and we're we're seeing guys like WP Nell coming back into form. McAnally looks phenomenal. Um, you know, there, there's there's still plenty of experience there. So for me, you know, the headline figure—it's a classic. Again, mentioned them earlier. It's a classic Eddie Jones thing of we've got 20 injuries, but if you look through the, that 20, there's yeah, it's a decent read, and there's some very good players in there. But how many of them would would really be troubling that first 15? Um, only a few. Yeah, um, there's a lot of people. That, I mean, Ian Wallace has come in and said he's not buying into the Hardy hype. He said he's unlikely to last five games. There's been quite a few people sort of talking about um, John Hardy's fitness, um, but he's coming in. He's done a really good job for Newcastle, and he's played pretty regularly for them. I mean, it was interesting today. Gregor Townsend was saying that Hardy has improved his accuracy, so it, it, particularly at the tackle and the breakdown. And that he's still doing everything he did, but he's much more accurate in defence. So whether or not he needs to do... He's not necessarily getting through the work that he used to do, but when he's getting through the work, he's 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 much more efficient, yeah, I guess. Well. Yeah. Making much more of a contribution. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it was... What was it? I was, I was Googling... Oh, I was, I was um, Googling Hamish Watson injury stuff the other day, and... Uh, 
I found an interview with Watson probably from last year, year, year or two ago. Um, and it was it was quite a reminder that actually kind of around the 2015 World Cup, he, you know, Hardy was the man and Watson kind of struggled to get into the, he, he was struggling to get past Hardy and it was his kind of injuries that allowed him in. Obviously, he's thoroughly merited, you know, holding that holding that jersey down now for a good year or two by being, you know, one of our one of our standout forwards in, in any number of games. But, <laughs> and not getting into trouble um, on a night out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if if we could, you know, if we put all that stuff in the past and look back to 2015, I'm not saying that Hardy's ne- necessarily going to recapture that that form. But during that World Cup, you know, he was one of our he was one of our key players and a big part of uh, of how well Scotland did there. So um, I think I think we, we we he should get the chance. Um, his form's gotten back in the squad. If his form gets him picked in the team, then uh, yeah, we'll see see what he does. It's interesting. I mean, Cameron Scott's pointed out that we forget sometimes. I forget sometimes about Sam Skinner, who did so well in the autumn, and we talked about this last week. And he's he's a prospect at six because that's where he's been playing for Exeter um, yep. in the in the European Cup. And it's that that whether or not he Gregor Townsend sees him as a back rower or, or a lock, that's going to be quite quite interesting. He looked comfortable in both, didn't he? In the particular in the autumn, um, particularly and obviously Fiji. You know, the game was won by the time he moved to the back row. But it certainly, certainly looked comfortable, and Townsend, particularly building into World Cup year, that's the sort of thing that he's, you know, he's really looking for that um, that level of versatility, and he will try different combinations, you know, even even potentially some some kitty cats at a raven, things like that. But you know, um, Skinner's a Skinner's a talent, and you just look at the way he's a young lad, but he's he's really driving driving the standards in that Exeter side as well you know he's pushing them forward so having guys like that around the camp wherever he plays be it be it four or six um you know having a guy of of that personality about is is very useful I mean looking at the tournament then we've we've touched on it a little bit is the Scott Scotland's main issue this year is going to be the two away games um that that's where Scotland have struggled. I mean, when Townsend was asked about it today, I think he said, "Well, everyone in the Six Nations struggles um, away from yeah. home because, and that's true to an extent." But Scotland seem not just in the Six Nations, but generally seem to struggle away from home. Do you? I mean, Townsend was saying the, the Argentina game in the summer was proof that they've maybe put that behind them, but I'm not entirely convinced that's the case. Do you, I mean, for you, John, what do you think Scotland need to do to sort of try and shake that? Shake that monkey off their back. Beat England away. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think it's I think it's honestly I think it's as simple as that. I think so much of the press that surrounds Scotland is driven from English-based media, and the fact that we go down there every two years and have returned defeated every two years in the Six Nations, uh, just it just confirms to the English press. You know, any any sort of weakness that we've shown away from home is then completely amped up by the fact that we can't beat England. And, you know, obviously going down and taking 50 points last time as well uh, doesn't help. Um, mm. You can look at, again, we've all, we've all done to death some of the reasons behind that. But we need to... France away is a big one, but actually, even if we beat France away, I don't believe the media will give us the credit. If we beat France away, the reason will be France were poor. And you know you can you can mark that in your diaries now. That that's what the media will portray. France were poor, poor. They were a team in disarray. They were you know Scotland didn't beat them. We just scored more points than them. 
that not, sort of stuff. Do you not think, Rory, that's, you, that's the same you, case you, for England as well, maybe, Rory, that this isn't a, a classic England team and, and they have got their issues? Yeah, it's one of, it's one of those things, that, as John says, you, the only way to to sort of overcome the, well, England just played bad or France just played bad thing is you actually, you know, you have to to spank them, really. Yeah. And, <laughs> but let's face it, that's unlikely to happen um, at Twickenham and it's pretty unlikely to happen at, uh, in Paris, given our, you know, given our records in, in both both those cities over, over recent years. Um, but, you know, from our point of view, do we do we really care? I mean, yeah, we 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 would like the team to get the credit they deserve, but the chance if chances are if if they manage to beat France away and England away, then you know they're going to be challenging for the tournament anyway. So you'd have to get, you'd have to give them some credit. I mean, I, th- I don't think you could use the argument. Oh, Scott, if say, like, let's go pie in the sky here. If Scotland won won the Six Nations this year, they would they would have a hard time saying. Oh, everyone was concentrating on the World Cup, hmm. so they put the, out the second teams, or they, they played. Would have Jack, a hard time Jack seeing Jones. it, but there there would still be elements of the media that absolutely would be seeing it. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I back back, and I can kind of understand it. Looking at it from that point of view, is one, uh, it's building consistency, isn't it? And that's what Townsend and Laidlaw were talking about today. Scotland need to build consistency, and that's not just within games; that's within winning and starting to win tournaments and winning a one-off. Six Nations or Grand Slam, Scotland have done that in the past. What they need to start doing is being there or thereabouts every year. And whether yeah. that's you know second or third, because it is tight, it is much tighter these days. Everyone's raised their game. Yeah. But if Scotland are consistently second, third, uh, or and or winning it, then I think we'll start to get taken seriously. I don't think Scotland... I don't even think we've got the right to be taken seriously until we start winning it consistently, because... You know, we've won 1990, won the Grand Slam, 1999, you win the Five Nations. You know, it's not, there's no evidence there that, you know, we're on an upward trajectory. There's no evidence there that we can repeat that consistent, that, that, that consistently. And until we do, I think we've got to be realistic about how seriously Scotland are going to be taken. We just have to look back as well at Vern Cotter's first season. We were bottom of the table. You know, it's it's not, not even that far you know we're just coming up to a full world world cup cycle since we last finished bottom of the table behind italy so yeah there's you understand i mean we're we're a much better team than that but you do understand why where people are coming from in terms of you know scotland's scotland's recovery is it needs to be a much longer term thing than 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 even just a, a single world cup cycle yeah, I mean, how much? I mean, I suppose the interesting thing is you look at May last year. Finn Russell and Greg Laidlaw were part of a Barbarians team that won, you know, forty-five, sixty-three, and both of them scored tries. I mean, that's to a certain extent. I could see that 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 might give them a psychological advantage, given that Scotland haven't won at Twickenham for thirty-six years. It's something to, to you know, it's a story to tell to the players. It sort of takes the element that the sort of intimidation out of them if they say, "Well, look, we went with a scratch team and we beat them." Yeah, I mean, and Finn Russell's used to winning in winning in Paris, not necessarily at the side of France, but he seems, to, he seems to be doing all right. I mean, he he's he, the, those French players are probably going to hold less less fear for for him, and you know, and obviously for Grieg as well. If only he had well, what he needs is uh, an overweight winger to toss the ball to to finish off the chances. Absolutely. Yeah. 
it's pretty Zebo doesn't have a Scottish granny. They seem to be getting on quite well. They're getting on very well. But he has uh, Simon Zebo has clearly been snaffling some of Finn's Haribo, if not all of them. Oh, he's he's been on <laughs> he's been on sheer size packets. The baguettes and the cheese and the wine all at once. <laughs> Did you see his celebration after the the, the chip the chip pass absolutely yep. gold from Finn? Uh, he, he done the he done the Cristiano, um, yeah yeah. There, there was some definite um, I'm going to say rumbles underneath that shirt, and you know that's a player fit shirt. That that's meant to hold that sort of stuff in, and he he was jiggling about. So I seen there, that there was a there was a wobble. Um, <laughs> Poor Simon. Uh, poor Simon. Um, but, yeah, I mean, well, Finn, Finn's not looking totally svelte himself, I have to say. Yeah, you I mean, it, it's interesting whether it's that's so... it's interesting whether that's 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 bulk or a lack of conditioning. That's what's going. I mean, I get, and I guess we'll see that in the Six Nations, is I guess, it? Yeah, he'll be finding that out this week, won't he? Yeah. If in the uh, the sort of games you're seeing for racing, and I don't know if again it's it's that idea of relative uh, relative motion, isn't it? But some of the games for racing, he's looked absolutely rapid, you know, breaking breaking the line and really putting putting gas that we didn't necessarily know know he had. So, but that might just be that all the other French players are absolutely blowing at that point, and uh, <laughs> just, you know <laughs> they're all actually going backwards, and he just looks fast. Is it racing? Um, is it racing that have the champagne on New on on New Year's Day and the, and the berries before kickoff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's ridiculous. ridiculous. Um, <laughs> That's not very French, is it? <laughs> I saw um, it as well when their their clubhouse is is absolutely superb, and they've got this kind of like refill paint system that kind of fills from the bottom and stuff. It looked outstanding fun. Um, Just as an aside, do they do they sell pies or cheese in the uh, in the stadium? I don't know, but we can find out. We'll find out. if anyone knows. Let us know. Um, we uh, we'll ask for your predictions then. And what's your predictions for the stories of the tournament then, John? I mean, what's going to be the big talking point when we're sat here at the end of March, apart from food rationing and the prospect of a Mad Max esque fight for fuel? <laughs> um, what what do you think um, we'll be sat here talking about? <laughs> I do fear they'll have just called off the Six Nations by that point. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. The, tourna- the tournament ends before uh, Brexit kicks in, but unfo- well, luckily for Ulster fans, uh, their game will hopefully be on the Friday um, <laughs> of that <laughs> so weekend with with buses on just to make sure they get over the border by midnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, predictions-wise and, and sort of um, stories of the tournament, I, I, I fully... I'm I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I think Ireland might struggle. And this is going to sound crazy because obviously Ireland are now the greatest team ever to have played rugby, having beat the All Blacks um, at home at the end of the All Black season. Um, just you know, for looking at the actual detail behind it, um, I think Ireland might struggle. Um, last year they won the Grand Slam last year, and they were a kick away from not getting a Grand Slam. Obviously, Johnny Sexton's um, miracle drop goal um, saw them over the line in France and Scotland should have put them away as well. We had a number of chances and we let them off the hook. And I don't think... I don't think they'll get so lucky this year. Um, I think I think Ireland may struggle. From a Scottish perspective, I, I think if we get some game time, if we get some decent results, I think George Horn will get on. Uh, I see him as being potentially second choice to to Greg Laidlaw, and 
I predict, uh, as I have done a number of times in this podcast, I think the world a wee horny, and or Hornito has to, to give him his proper name for Ian. I think George Horn could be one of the, the, the stars of the tournament if he gets enough game time. Rory, your talk. What do you think we'll be talking about here in March? I, don't, I mean, I'm not. I'm not too sure. Um, I think probably given the form that Ireland have been in over recent years, I would imagine them not winning the tournament would be, um, you know, anything that's not Ireland winning the tournament would be some sort of a big story. Um, we've got. Uh, Ian Wallace there saying Darcy Graham for the Lions. Certainly, Darcy Graham's a, <laughs> one of the Scotland players who I think could have a you know could have a big tournament if Tooney gives him a chance. Um, he's certainly in good enough form to be competing for a, a back three slot. I think um, Sean Maitland might have might have I think he missed the last Saris game there, so there's this talk he might have a have a wee injury, um, which would put uh, put Darcy Graham closer to the to, get, to getting in that in that side. Um, I think he's the sort of guy that could actually, you know, he could come on against. I mean, George Horn's the same. They could come on against the tiring Italy side and uh, and and you know run riot, run riot. Yeah, um, I would. Yeah, I would like to say that we can be third or third or better. But yeah, the talking point, as always, will be something to do with Eddie Jones. Yeah. <laughs> as 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 yet unable to predict it but yeah who Maybe will be play... I'm going to say who is going to coach England for the World Cup that's going to be the big talking point <laughs> yeah Mike uh, Mike Brown at 10 <laughs> there you go can you imagine that how good would that be see as a, a back row forward you would just absolutely love every moment of that because he, he, he kind of gets hidden away at 15 and you're like you can't really smash him all the time but if he was at 10, you would just, oh, 12 ball at the channel every time. Smash. Um, have, you, have you seen Alan's comment, Cammy? Um, Alan, Alan's just said he's, he's worried that we're going to resort to barbecuing props po- post-Brexit. I think that, <laughs> I think, well, one, they're easy to catch. That's that's yeah, exactly. what makes them good good for hunting. Um, but, but, set, but, but once you catch them, you know, what do you do with them? They're too big for a cage. Well, that's true, yeah. Down with this sort of stuff, Alan. Yes, Down I know. With this sort of stuff. I think Alan, if Alan, if that's what Alan's going to resort to, I can see him being named and shamed on Twitter. You know, like trophy hunters, see Alan with his foot <laughs> with a gun, a gun with Just his with his leg up on WPNL. <laughs> yeah, people going, have you that's seen this? <laughs> this sickens me. Props are not food; should not be hunted. Yeah. Um, Friends, not food. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I saw an article that said props give the best cuddles today as well. Oh, that's a lovely, <laughs> was, was that's a lovely thought. Yeah, yeah, it was it was Castro Giovanni pretty much consuming Greg Ledlow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did you see the? Uh, have you seen the launch pictures of? Yeah, of, uh, they're Greg, always wonderful. Greg Ledlow putting on his best hard, hard man face. That's yeah. amazing. He looked, I mean, I watched the Rugby Pass um, film the press conference. I'm not entirely sure they're allowed to do that, but they filmed the Scotland particular press conference and, and he hardly got asked any questions, but he just stared the entire time just looking furious. He, yeah, he, does, he does that. He kind of just look, looks off into the, yeah. I think maybe, maybe they tell them, don't make eye contact with anybody because they might think that you're friends and ask you a question or something. I don't think it's so that. Just, it's more like every, he just had a look on every single question. The look was, "Why are you asking that?" That was. <laughs> it's a great. It's a great look to have. Um, I think that's. We. I mean, apart from Cameron Scott's shout, saying Scotland will win the Six Nations, it's a big. It's a big call. I think probably third is 
realistically, if, if anything less than 30, I don't think we can consider this tournament a success. I think that would be considered a, a, a poor showing for Scotland. I think a, a fourth tied on points, we you know, we might settle for that. Um, before we go, because we're about to say goodbye, I'm going to wave at them. Goodbye. Goodbye to our uh, live crew. Thank you all for joining in and joining with the chat. It's been quite good fun. We'll probably do this again sometime. Um, before we leave, though, can I just uh, have a me- brief mention of our petition, which we launched last week, calling for a World Cup song for Scotland. If you visit the blog post for this week's podcast, there'll be a link to the petition. So if you haven't done it, please sign that, and hopefully we can persuade the SRU to put something together. Hugh Jones has told me on Twitter that he will sing the song if he, we if we get one billion retweets. So that's something else to aim <laughs> for. Yeah. Um, get, get retweeting. Yeah, in other, um, in other <laughs> petitions... six thus far. <laughs> <laughs> In other petition news, Damien Hoyland's family uh, have launched a petition to try and keep his grandparents from being deported. Uh, regardless of your politics, I think it's something we should all get behind. Uh, they've been in the country since the late 70s and the 79 and 83. Um, we'll post a link on this week's podcast post too as well. So if, if you um, want to support that, then then please add your name to the petition. Uh, for the minute, I'm going to say bye-bye to our live show. Thank you, everyone, for um, for joining in. Uh, like I said, we'll do this again sometime. Uh, carry on chatting in the, um, in the comments on the forum. Um, we the the rest of the podcast for those listening in now there is going to be more podcasts so you'll have to tune actually download it to tune in I'm not um, I'm not losing downloads by giving away stuff for free so um, <laughs> we'll say goodbye for now and we'll carry on with our chat so bye bye to the forum bye bye goodbye forum bye bye right that's gone um, okay boys let's move on to we'll move on to Glasgow and Edinburgh then um, John it, Glasgow did one better than um, Edinburgh and they, they qualified with one game to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a ball being kicked, it was great. Yeah, wonderful. Even even better than Edinburgh, some would say. Well, some would say, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you could argue that I mean Edinburgh's results results were well, reasonably all right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, well, you noticed you noticed then, I saved that chat for after we were off air. Oh yeah, they would have exploded. It would have been great. Just get hundreds of angry faces and dogs abuse. It would have been fantastic. It would have been the real forum that we know and love. Um, so, um, but, but Glasgow, I mean, it wasn't, uh, I mean, the first half was promising, but again, whether, do you, I mean, do you think that was Saracens just worked out what to do in the second half? There was a real, there was a moment, um, and I sort of mentioned it within the, within the match report that I rustled up. There was a moment that sort of struck me. Saracens had, um, they took a took a line out and it was on their own their own ten, and they just mauled, mauled, mauled. Got the penalty, kicked it further up the park, mauled again, mauled again. Got another penalty and then eventually repeat to fade. Uh, and I think it was George Cruz got the try. Uh, you know, you're talking about they they figured out how to how to do that, and that's I mean that was their strength. And it was I think Glasgow suckered them into a type of game that doesn't suit them initially and they they added to the the spectacle at the time with it you know they were they were getting involved but yeah they they had a bit too much for glasgow um but again glasgow didn't help themselves and i think that was the big disappointment i think there was maybe two or three line out throws in it Yes, the points difference was... We'll ignore what the score was in the end up because, you know, Glasgow were chasing a bonus point and they were chasing all sorts of stuff. So, you know, they were throwing the ball about silly. But 
there, there was two or three line-out throws in that match. And when you're talking about the best team, or one of probably them and Leinster, between them for the best team in Europe, that's not a bad place for Glasgow to be. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you're saying with line-outs. I mean, I never thought I'd say this of Glasgow, but they are really struggling for hookers right now. Right now. <laughs> dum dum it's here all night, folks. Tip your waiter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I was talking with Grant Stewart uh, the other day. And, uh, you know, the guy's got all the talent in the world. He's he's a fantastic loose forward, but he hasn't nailed. And I, I totally take people's view on you know the lineouts, the sum of its parts. Um, the 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 calls have to be right, and I don't think the calls have helped Grant Stewart. Frankly, uh, the lifts have to be good, but. You can't forgive when the light, the the throw is way over the lifter, mm. uh, way over the jumper, sorry, and then right out the back when it's clear it was called to the middle. That that's just a poor throw, and the blame does have to sit with Grant Stewart at that point, which is not great. But he's an academy player. He's not he's not ready for this level. I mean, Rory. I mean, it's interesting. Glasgow, like like moths to the flame, have drawn Saracens again in the quarterfinal. Um, yeah, it's not. Is do you, I mean? Do you think that? I suppose familiarity that Glasgow have now. Do you think that Gla- the Glasgow need to start finding ways to win ugly? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because the the sort of the way that you used to beat Scotland. Scotland teams really easily was just you wait for them to cough up a penalty, you kick the line out, you maul them, you kick you kick the line out, you maul them again, then you maul them until you score a try, and that's been sort of mitigated a little bit, a by um, the likes of Dan McFarlane coming in and actually improving the the Scotland pack's maul defence, um, and you know Glasgow and Edinburgh to, to a certain extent as well, but also the fact that the attacking play has improved so much though, so that yes, you might concede a pushover try to a big you know, a hulking English pack, which you, which most teams would, but at the same time, you can still go up up at the other end of the park and and score, you know, score one or two yourself. Um, but I guess if if that if that sort of um, that counterpoint of, of having a having a, a kind of lightning counter attack isn't working for you, then you're you're always going to be vulnerable because the kind of I guess the packs that the packs that that suit the kind of game we want to play are not necessarily the most ideal for defending defending you know that kind of forward attack um i suppose edinburgh might be might be the answer who have a balance somewhere in between where they don't play quite as expansively but at the same time they're a lot more capable in the sort of set piece stuff um I but yeah i mean yeah i was gonna say I suppose glasgow we, yeah. have kind of learned how to how to they have kind of learned how to win ugly but they yeah still they still struggle against the the really top teams I mean, is that, I mean, I suppose to give Glasgow some credit, John, that wasn't a full-strength Glasgow team by any stretch. There's quite a lot of players missing. John, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hello. Sorry, that's my internet. That's that's the Premier Inn's fault. Sorry, Premier Inn. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get you sorted. Yes, I am still here. Um, yeah, I was, I was just going to say, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's not a full strength Glasgow team in any way, um, injuries wise. You know you, you're lacking you're lacking players in big positions, and we lost players during the game as well, like very very crucial players. 
who would who would normally be relied on for leadership. We lost them during the game, but I think yeah, the, the Rory's point is absolutely right that we have to, there has to be a balance. And when it's on, Glasgow, you know, you see the the, the first try for Tommy Seymour. You see a, a 17 meter pass out to Sam Johnson and then a 21-metre pass out to Stuart Hogg. They've covered most of the park in, in two passes, and that's what they can do. And and that will unlock defences, but when you can't defend malls and you get on... I think I think part of the issue was we got on the wrong side of the referee at the breakdown, which we seem to do a lot of just now, um, which then gave Saracens the opportunity. They didn't concede a penalty in the first half, which is... Uh, you know, you can make an argument that that's unheard of, and uh, uh, frankly, I think it's ridiculous um, that you know, if you look at every single breakdown, there was offences from both sides, and not to ping anything is is interesting, but that's fine. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, how are you feeling then, John, about the quarter final? You do you think Glasgow can can find a way to do it, or do you think you know they've got to the quarters again? It's a long-term thing. At least they're out the group. They've now sort of shaken the hoodoo of the group stages a bit. I think um, I would, I would like us to go down there. We'll, we'll be uh, hopefully at a better strength of side. We'll we'll take down with us, and we'll give it a go. But with that quality of side that you're playing against, we 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 shouldn't fear them. But you are kind of hoping that Glasgow have one of those exceptional days where. Everything goes right. The referees on our side in terms of the breakdown, and maybe Saracens don't necessarily turn up, and then you can see Glasgow winning. But I mean, the bookmakers will have it very much in favour of Saracens, and rightly so. Um, but you know, I, I, I think I think Saracens. I've seen enough of Glasgow. They'll they'll not take them lightly. It's interesting, isn't it, Rory? Because we were talking earlier about if you think think about the the Six Nations as it is and the teams we're talking about Scotland struggling against and you could almost sort of translate that to the European competition as well is that you know you, you come up against a, an English side and it's maybe not do so well but maybe don't fear the Welsh and the Irish sides as much I mean I know we play them every week so it's slightly different but and, and similarly in France you might fancy your chances against the French team more than you would an English one so it's I wonder how much of it's just psychology yeah, um, I think there's a fair a fair amount to that. Certainly, Glasgow should be pretty familiar with the you know with the Saracens Saracens <laughs> team now, and a lot of those guys you know a lot of those guys are in the England team. Um, yeah, there, there there is obviously that psych, psychological thing in there um, against against the English clubs, but it I guess it comes from it's not necessarily an inferiority complex, but just the fact that we have been inferior for a, you know for so many years. <laughs> In terms of you know in rugby in rugby terms and um, but you know the results are the results are starting to come the, the teams are more regularly beaten uh, Premiership clubs or French clubs um, even winning away now occasionally so eventually that's going to hopefully kind of filter up to the filter up to the, the the national side yeah I suppose it's a case it probably might filter down as well um, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about Edinburgh then, because I mean, I did I, I did Glasgow first just because um, they, they lost, and I wanted to get that out of the way for John. Um, oh, you're so kind. I know. I think so about sweet. you, um, Edinburgh. I mean, 
I don't think anybody, any of us would have thought we'd be sat here now talking about Emra topping the group and getting a home quarter-final. Yeah, um, that was... I I think, yeah, there was a lot of people kind of being, um, you know, not being as complimentary as they could have about uh, about what, what, Edinburgh, what Edinburgh did based on the fact that, you know, the opposition that turned up to face them on the, you know, in the groups weren't necessarily, didn't quite, you know, fulfil the reputations that, that those clubs have um, when the pool was announced. Because when the pool was announced, everyone was like, Edinburgh in great form, they've got back into Europe. Yes, oh, look at that draw, no, not a chance. Um, even Newcastle, because Newcastle were coming off the back of a pretty good season last year. So um, suddenly, suddenly those those teams, you know, suddenly Newcastle are, are chasing or facing uh, facing the possibility of relegation in the Premiership. Those the two, you know, Montpellier and Toulon are not doing quite as well as they had in the past. And actually, it was turns out it was really easy for Edinburgh and you know any other team would have, would have done that. But I think that you know opinions like that do a massive disservice to, to what the guys have achieved. Um, certainly that, uh, the, they were still in it with, uh, they were still in it going into that final round of games and there were still, you know, plenty of people, myself included, who thought, you know, if Montpellier turn up here, there's no guarantees Edinburgh could, could end up not, could not qualifying at all. And the fact that, you know, Edinburgh played so well that Montpellier were substituting props after half an hour was, mm. uh, gives them, you know, gives them huge credit. That was great to see, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, just seeing seeing the the giant Duplessis just waltzing off, having been torn apart by Neil uh, and, and uh, Schumann. And, and, and oh, an Ember Physio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. Oh, it was one of those ones he's got his foot on the ball and he's like, wait, no, no, oh, no, no. I realised, uh, you know, now that you're closer to me, I realise just the vastness of your, your body. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we should we, sh- we should give yeah, a mention even... um, to WP Nell's um, Hollywood pass through the legs as well. Oh, <laughs> that and the offwood. Oh, legend. Yeah. The shield on the blog said, uh, I believe the phrase used in the current times is pure filth. In my day, there would yeah. have been fines and Chinese burns from teammates. Yeah. <laughs> or even trying it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can't, you can't go doing that nonsense as a prop. No, it's... That's, uh, that's crazy talk, isn't it? I think it's worth noting as well. Sorry, just just to say, um, on the ter- in terms of Edinburgh qualifying, Sandy Smith of this of this parish um, confidently predicted that um, Edinburgh would be lucky to finish fourth in the pool uh, when 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 the groups were drawn. So you know that is a big shock that they've they've topped it so easily. Yeah, he'll have been he'll have been delighted to have, to have eaten those eaten those words. Um, oh I mean, no, he was he was hot. Yeah, he was loving it. He was loving they, it. They've definitely, I mean, they've definitely deserved it. You know, they got it. They they haven't they haven't fluked it. Um, they haven't they haven't sneaked in like no, their Glasgow no. boys. As no. A, as a third, oh no third no place, no uh, runner runner up or whatever. You know, they've they they topped they topped the group there. I think was a fourth fourth highest uh, amount of points. So yep. yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. It's interesting that they've drawn Munster in the next next round yeah. as well. I mean that's um, probably one of the more I mean, funny ones. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say aside from aside from the, uh, Ulster, it's probably one of the better draws they could have got. Yeah, I mean they'll they'll. It's one of those things they'll not fear it, but then Munster in Europe is is quite often a different proposition to Munster in the Pro 14, just in terms of their kind of you know the the level of intensity that they bring. So, um, 
but the familiarity with the players is is not gonna not gonna hurt them, and also the fact that they you know a lot of them will probably have played in the Six Nations as well. Um, it's certainly one that Edinburgh should should think that they they can win. You know, I mean, you, you maybe if Le- Leinster or Saracens were coming to town, you'd think okay, that could be a that could be a really tricky one. And, and Munster are, are not quite up at the level of those guys, so I think I think Edinburgh should should fancy it, especially if they get you know if they can get a good crowd. Munster will probably bring a few fans with them because they'll know that there's plenty of space in the stadium to fill up. That's if oh, they they were can, that's filling if they, the stadium. Well, I was going to say that's if that that's if they can uh, get get past border control. <laughs> finally, finally, Brexit will work in our favour. That's, <laughs> that's the one. The one good thing about a no deal Brexit is that the monster fans can't come over <laughs> and, and make it feel like an away fixture. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, and again, it's that thing of you know we, we we're talking here about Glasgow and Edinburgh's prospects in the quarterfinals and. It does a massive credit to to how far Ember have come that we're actually saying that Ember have got a much better chance of going through than Glasgow. Yeah, and yeah. I mean both of them. The, the fact, that even the very fact that both of them are, are through is, you know, we've we've never had that to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose the trick the trick for Ember um, is going to be Europe, uh, not Europe. Sorry, the, the Pro Fourteen and, and making sure that they can they're sort of fighting on on two fronts. I guess that that they've. They, they, they were building some momentum in the Pro 14 and sort of coming back into to touching distance of, of qualification again and it's it's how they build that during the Six Nations at the same time with one eye on the quarterfinal It definitely helps when you're getting uh, two sets of four points from your uh, your your wee brother across the M8 doesn't it? <laughs> uh, not, that I'm, not that I'm better Not that I'm better Thoroughly deserved it, of course. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it'll be it will be interesting to see. But then, of course, Edinburgh have the secret weapon, Ross Ford. Yes, of course. <laughs> Fordy's big chance. Ford more years. Fordy's big chance. Fordy twenty nineteen. Yep. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, we'll we'll move on then. Um, that's that's enough <laughs> of, of, uh, of of Edinburgh and Glasgow for the moment. Um, we've we had one. Where's Doogie Donnelly this week? This is our for those uh, who are just joining us for the first time. Our Where's Doogie Donnelly? What we ask people to do is if you've seen a pundit, a player, or a coach, or somebody famous who's linked to Scottish rugby, then get in touch and tell us where you saw them, what they were doing. Uh, Craig Simpson got in touch on Twitter to say he thinks he saw Frank Haddon at the Embra Montpellier game. I would say there's probably a fair chance it was him, Craig. Um, <laughs> Just on just on uh, laws of probability. Our match. Uh, yeah. No, really? Whoa. <laughs> um, I can't imagine what Frank Haddon would be doing at an Ember Montpellier game. Um, the last section of the podcast we do every week, which is hands in the ruck, which is it's our any other business section of the podcast. So this is where we can sort of talk about stuff. Is it, it, it's rugby related? I should point out. Um, you know, well, we did have one from John on Twitter this week who said um, his hands in the ruck was. James Dyson um, moving his HQ to Singapore, given he's such a supporter of Brexit, um, to which I said, "Is that not hands in the suck?" Which is a very good, a good vacuum joke there. Yeah, I thought, very good fun. yeah. Um, which uh, Dyson sponsors a rugby club, is it not? Does it? Bath. Oh yeah, it does. Yeah, you're right, Bath. Bath, yeah. Bath rugby, yeah. There you go. Tenuous connection. Um, so yeah, it has to be rugby related. Doesn't necessarily have to be Scottish. Just something that's annoyed you, pleased you, made you happy. Doesn't have to be bad. Uh, get in touch and let us know what that is. Um, we had. Um, we had a couple this week, but they, they, we, we've sort of covered them already. Um, who was it? Um, Bruce McConaughey got in touch to say his hands in the ruck is um, that box kicks don't really achieve anything. Ever. Ever. 
Do you agree with that? Like, it's, I mean, I mean, people keep they keep they keep happening, so they must have some tactical reason for doing. It. I mean, coach, you know, it's a full time job for people to coach rugby players. You would have thought somebody would have figured out by now that they don't work. They bore defenses into into disarray with their <laughs> with their absolute nonsense. It's like, oh, there there it goes. I actually was joking with someone yesterday that I didn't think Connor Murray was actually a rugby player. Um, and that I would imagine that he's got one massive big leg uh, just from from box kicking and nothing else. Um, which uh, you can imagine that went down well. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah Was it an uh, Irish yeah. person, John? It might have been an Irish person. Yes, may have may may have been attempting to rile him slightly with my Conor Murray chat. No, <laughs> I think box kicking is an absolute blight on the game. Um, I think it's it's uh, I I get very upset when I see it. Um, it's it's a it's an admission that you do not have a way to break down an opposition defence. Um, so not not for me. Not for Rory. You you've played a bit of scrum half, have you? No, no. I thought you know that must be. I must be mixing that up with somebody else. What's your view on box kicking? Is it does it have its place? Um, I I can totally see what uh, what Bruce was saying. Um, but that it, yeah, it's it's dull and it is quite. It's a very easy way to just give the opposition um, easy territory. I mean, if you think about the number of kicks they go up. Versus the number, sure, I'm sure somebody's done some analysis and must have concluded that it was worthwhile in terms of the number of kicks that go up that are retained versus the number that are, you know, give away possession. Because it's not, it's not a territory. You know, you can give the opposition the ball whilst making sure that the game's being played in there, in the right in the area of the pitch you want the game to be played, which is further into their half. But if you're box yeah. kicking, it's much the same area as it's currently being played in. Um, so yeah, I can t- totally see why it's a waste, especially when you know we've had. We have quite a tradition of of late of uh, of box kicking scrum halves who aren't necessarily certainly plenty of the commenters on the blog have uh, have forthright opinions on their on their box kicking skills <laughs> and, uh, and yeah it's uh, it, it yeah it does it's one of those things when 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 the team are seem to be doing well and suddenly the scrum half box kicks. You think, oh, what are you doing that for? But actually, you don't see that as much from, for, certainly from the the Scottish um, players. They do still box kick probably too much, and certainly, um, like I was quite entertained by the uh, referee in the Montpellier Edinburgh game because he called he called the ball out when it wasn't really out. I mean, certainly not out by the standards of all the other balls in the, in that game. But um, you know, Pergos was taking such an age at the back of the the back of the ruck. The referee just, you know, one of the players said, "Is that ball out?" And he said, "Yeah, it's out." So the player ran through. I mean, Pergo's got the box kick away. Credit to him, but he got clattered shortly, shortly thereafter. And uh, yeah, I think, given the, this sort of weird piggyback human centipede thing that they do now to to make the box kick happen further away, you know, yeah. five Horrible image. beyond beyond the ruck. It's <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, you can sleep well tonight in your in your premiere <laughs> with that one. Um, I think it's uh, yeah. I think that that sort of stuff is yeah. It's just it's a it's not an inventive way to play the game. I'd far rather the ball was in play than gradually working its way backwards so that the scrum half can kick it safely and still give the ball away to the opposition. I mean, yeah. what's the point in protecting it so much if you you get that extra little bit of preparation? But probably it's still going to be mince. If if Are anybody show. On uh, on Twitter or something for someone to to Photoshop 
uh, the, the the human centipede approach of, of, <laughs> with, of, the rugby with human Henry Burgos box kicking at the back. Yeah, <laughs> Johnny just Duplessis coming through the middle to destroy him. Yeah, <laughs> that's a. Oh, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to have a terrible night's sleep. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if anybody has knows of any reason why box kicking happens or has any statistical insight into it do let us know we're quite interested to, to hear yeah. um rory your your hands in the rock this week have you got one well i i do actually i've hastily assembled a couple a couple of minor ones um i'm not going to have my hands in the ruck at the sru launching a podcast to rival the, the, the mighty <laughs> no, no, scottish we, podcast we that have, already exist i know we have benefited hugely from that today given the fact they they are late to get theirs on itunes <laughs> We've acquired at least 200 new listeners and uh, we shot up the iTunes charts today. At least we don't need a new tagline. That's um, true, yeah. But yeah, we'll move on swiftly from that. The uh, it's not. Uh, I'm not going to have my hands in the ruck at Glasgow's decision, uh, Glasgow having to play Saracens again um, in the quarterfinals. They need to get a better system for that. Yep. Um, I'm also quite disappointed Per Human doesn't have a Scottish granny because... He could be the missing link for for our scrum in the Six Nations, but he's not. So he could be the missing link. Full stop. Full <laughs> stop. Full stop. <laughs> he could be the prop that hunts other props. <laughs> yeah. Prop hunter. Oh, yeah, there. There's the TV show. Um, it's not even. It's not even the fin, Fins Bay website not having any contact details or any indication of where this mythical alkalic bar restaurant actually is. Um, but it is in fact. Stuart Barnes, esteemed pundit oh, no. and uh, and uh, and writer for the journalist of of some sort, um, and it's not actually for any of the usual reasons. It's actually because for some reason, you know, I think he's done it two or three times now. He keeps tagging the Scottish rugby blog in things that are loosely related to Scotland, which means I get my mentions get blown up by just the idiots that follow him debating things. <laughs> but uh, you know. That don't really have that. Yeah, this the Scottish mention connection goes. And to be honest, some of them are some of them are not are, are Scotland fans as well. But yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> just like you know how the, these conversations go on, and you're suddenly oh, can you take me out of this now that you're just having because people will be having an argument. One will be defending Barnes's honour, and one will be you know he's long since he just he just tweets his tweets his little bit of clickbait and gets on with it. Just lobs his <laughs> lobs his grenade and runs it. Yeah, exactly. Strolls off. Warren, Warren Gatland style and. Yeah, and then and then I'm going. Oh, I've got some mentions. Somebody's saying something. No, they're just that thing's still going on. He's um, he's got a book out. Um, he does, yes. Which um, I haven't read it. I have no intention of reading it. But there, there have been excerpts um, in various places, and um, it, some of Stuart Barnes's colleagues, unsurprisingly, perhaps have praised it as being a, a wonderful work. And from what I have read, it is the funniest thing since Alan Partridge. Um, nomad. <laughs> accidental partridge or or no, I think it's full accidental partridge. Right. It's yeah. He writes like he talks, but it okay. but the stories are very partridge esque. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's peak peak gammon, I would say. <laughs> How things used to be a rose tinted view of days gone by. When men were men and well, I, rugby was yeah. played in mud with other men, and we wrestled <laughs> until our shirts came off, and we were just naked in the mud. 
That's uh, that's Stephen, kind of how Stephen goes. Jones did the cover blurb, didn't he? I, <laughs> I think there's every chance that is true. Can you think of anything worse in what the a world? Combo. What a combo. It's like, I mean, it's two of the four horsemen of the apocalypse riding in to just destroy all reasonable debate. But hey, Bart, Barton Z doesn't have a doesn't have a blue tick yet because he joined Twitter after the, I think they retired the blue tick program. Uh, they have, right? yeah, because of all the racism. So yes. we've got we've got a parody account called the Real Stuart Barnes. Do you think we could maybe get in before him and and like it's sort possible. Of, sort possible. of get get see if we can. Act, I mean, we could just Photoshop a blue tick just to really wind him up. Um, I did so, uh, I did also see that that chart that you posted, Cammy, that that our podcast was doing better than the. Uh, than the rock one yes we are up to we are up well last time i checked um we were up to 29 in the podcast before we came on air warmed the cockles of my soul yeah we were the fourth we were (laughs) the fourth highest podcast the rugby podcast this week who knows what tomorrow will bring when we watch yeah thank you all all for for um yeah thank you for uh, for everyone that searched scottish rugby podcast this week and, and stumbled upon us i hope you've enjoyed listening um john what's your hands in the rock this week while i check how our chart progress is going I I I fully fully embrace that. You go for it, pal. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm I'm. There's a few things that have sort of ground me a wee bit this week, but I'm going to steer away from the sort of hot ones and go for something a little bit more sad, in my opinion. The Sergio Parisi farewell tour. You know the sort of the the dying embers of Sergio's career. Um, and he's still getting picked. You know, you seen him in the Six Nations um, promo one shoot. He's still getting picked for Italy. And uh, frankly, last year we were all saying, ah, "Mate, enough's enough." Okay, you've had this amazing career. You've you've dragged Italy through no end of nonsense and just rubbish performances. Uh, but he's he's not a young man anymore. And there's better. There's, unfortunately, there's better players than him now. And that, that's not to say that there are better players than Sergio Parisi when Parisi's at his peak. He he has declined to the point where there's better back rows playing in Benetton and Treviso um, than than Sergio Parisi. And it's just it's such a shame to see him continue to be rolled out and continue to be sort of worked um, when he's past it. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's interesting because who 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 are we all going to pick in our um, fantasy leagues this year? Well, this is. I was just about to um, ask if there was an opportunity for me to put a shout out for any and all assistance because, um, I just yeah, I I like I used to watch loads and loads of rugby. I would watch every European game over a weekend. Now you know, I watch I watch the I watch the, the Scottish teams as yep. much as possible, and quite often I'm, I'm only focusing on the Scottish players. I mean, uh, Alex Shaw, who's uh, Friend of friend of the website put up a he put up a wee question on Twitter earlier, an uh, English rugby journalist, and he was saying, you know, on the news that Hamish Watson's retiring, does anyone else think that he's the best open side in the in the Six Nations? Anyone else? And I suddenly thought, I don't think I, I've ever seen Dan Levy play, and everyone's saying he's the best open side. And I thought my my fantasy Six Nations team is going to be screwed this year because I've no idea about the French guys because the none of you know there weren't any in the Montpellier side. <laughs> we should we should put a public public service announcement out, Rory. Yeah, you yeah. accidentally said there that Hamish Watson is retiring. Oh, uh, retiring! We, sorry, we, injured. We should make clear that Hamish the the mesh is not retiring. <laughs> Let's get that clear before yeah. we get eight retiring mail. temporarily. 
Um, yeah, Super I think that's from we, being awesome. we should say that at some point next week, we'll one of us will get round to organising uh, um, a, a fantasy league, and we we, we have a little. Um, yeah, we normally feature it in the should. podcast as well, checking how um, the we are personally all getting on it, which is usually roundly terribly. It has to be said, which is which is part of the fun. Um, but we'll also sort of give a shout out to people that are top of the league. So yeah, it's normal. We've done Super Brew the last few years. It's probably do that again, will we? Yeah, I think um, I've yeah. It sent me a link the other day to reactivate it. Somebody had requested that I reactivate it to Super Keen. Um, so I've done that. I think so. It should be. But yeah, we'll be putting the links up and stuff on the on the site in, in due course this week. Yeah, and even with if some other preview yeah. articles. That's it. And even if you've got a team elsewhere and you don't join us in time, so long as you've got a team set up in time for the tournament, you can join, I think, request to join the league at any time. Um, yeah. My hands, I've got two. I've got very brief hands in the ruck, which is the six, official Six Nations press release had to get reissued because they got the name of the Scotland women's captain wrong. And they said it was Lisa oh, Martin instead of Lisa Thompson. I mean, they're both called Lisa, but still, you know, they were actually, you know, Lisa Thompson was physically there, so... <laughs> So, um, the my my hands in the ruck is the Welsh and English chippiness over the Scottish and Irish dominance of the quarter final lineup for the for the European Championship. We had someone called Die Hard, which is an excellent name. It has to be said, D A I Hard on the comments, who said that Scotland's um, success has nothing to do with academy players and everything to do with money. Every one of your pictures what? shows a South African-born player. The European Cup, this is the best bit, the European Cup should be for European-born players. It is the same, it is in the name, European. It is the European Cup. Rugby is everything to, to Wales. He said Cymru, but I, I never know how to pronounce that. Um, we don't need an academy. The Valleys is learning enough for a rugby genius. I know I'm biased and bitter, but so would you if you felt cheated. Wales are nowhere, not a single team in the last eight, despite being rugby gods. That tells you something's wrong. We should not feel cheated. We play it by the book. Well, well, diehard. Here's some names for you. <laughs> Shane Howarth, Brett Sinkinson, Jason Jones-Hughes, Mark Cardy, Peter Rogers, and Colin Charvis. Um, they were the original Granny Gates-ters back in the day who played for Wales and were not qualified. I think some of them turned out to be qualified. Um, subsequently, Colin Charvis, when they found out that he wasn't uh, qualified, he had subsequently qualified through residency. Um, at least Dave Hilton, when we when he was found out, genuinely believed his granddad was from Scotland. It's just that his granddad, I think, had lied about it to his family for the entire time. And um, <laughs> some more names for you, Di. Um, this Talupi Falatau, born in Tonga. Jake Ball, English, grew up in Australia. Ross Mariotti, born in England. Gareth Anscombe, born in New Zealand, played for the All Blacks under 20s. Jonathan Davies, born in Sullahole. Hadley Parks, born in New Zealand and qualifies under residency. George North, this is from the same place as Ali Price and Alan Partridge, Norfolk. So don't come to the blog <laughs> spouting nonsense about Wales, only picking players born within the shadow of the valleys. Cut them in the bleed daffodils and leeks. Ridiculous. Um, I don't have an issue with the IRB rules. We've been over it before. I think the current rules are absolutely fine. But I have a massive issue when the Welsh and the English fans try and get sniffing and take the moral high ground. Everybody's at it. The reason that the Irish and Scottish teams are successful is because we've been investing in our academies and youth. That's why we've got international players in our setups it's also because we're living within our means i mean you look at we've got two pro teams because that's what we can afford to have the irish have got four because that's what they can afford to have arguably i think they, they might might three probably would be better but but they can manage with four and that's fine wales can't financially can't support four teams but politically they won't cut them that's not scotland or ireland's fault um i would point out and england you've got the 
you know the, the restriction on players only being selected from who play in the English Premiership. You've got the issue with the argument with the you know the Premiership and the RFU. That, you know none of this is Ireland or Scotland's fault. So before you start pointing the finger at other nations, sort your own house out. So that's that was Bravo. my hands in the rock. That was my hands Bravo. in the week. Bravo. Yeah. I will. I will say in. I will say I'm not convinced of um, Die Hard's veracity yet, but I can't prove that he's anybody else than other than he pretends to be. Just, <laughs> just before you dig yourself too big. Up. True. He's uh, he did use he did he did use some Welsh. He did scatter some Welsh throughout his yeah. throughout his post. So I I'm I'm going to say he's genuine. That's that's he, a good, he good translates for. Yeah, he might be he might be genuinely Welsh. I'm not sure he's posting from Wales, but <laughs> there, was, there was a guy said to me as well the the other day about um the same topic, and it was it was the age old argument. It was, again, it was back to Ireland. I, I hadn't realised that Ronan Agara was actually born in San Diego, and not just born there, he had lived there for a decent proportion of his life. Mm-hmm. So. You know, it's across the board. Everybody's doing it, as you rightly say. So, you know, oh, why, someone, why, from, why someone did... from someone from Ireland, Ireland, who picked Bundyaki, was having a go at you for Scotland playing foreign-born players. Yes, yes. I mean, at least we're not. You know, we we, we, do, we do have a lot of kickbacks, but you know, the Bundyaki thing in Ireland was particularly distasteful. I think the way that his uh, selection was, the reaction to his selection in Ireland was particularly, yeah, was particularly un- unsettling. Yeah, no, I know, and it's it's like again, we we've all we've got so much other stuff to be to be thinking about that if the guy's good enough and he's qualified under the rules, what does it matter? Exactly. You want the best players in your in your in your jerseys, and I know, you know, and we've got good old some... good old CJ Ostander, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, let those in glass houses cast the first stone and all that. But that's Absolutely. that is it from us for this week. Um, welcome to all our new listeners. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Come back, join us next week. We're going to have Gary Heatley on, um, rugby journalist, who's going to be doing a wee preview next week of the women's Six Nations for us, and we'll be previewing the Italy match, talking about the Pro Fourteen matches. On that note, I am going to go and enjoy my um, overly hot. Premier in bed tonight, um, <laughs> and hopefully back in familiar sounds next week. Uh, surroundings next week. Um, keep an eye. Do join the Scottish Rugby Forum on Facebook if you Google it. Um, there's a, a, a wee test. I think you have to answer which way the South African swallow flies in May or something like that to get in. But once you're in, there's good yeah. chat there generally. Um, when it's not on fire with people throwing buns at each other, um, and and we we will <laughs> post on there live in future. Um, but for the moment, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Rory and John. Goodbye. Goodbye, guys.